Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Racetech. Racetech Gold Valves, pretty much a revalve in a box. Don't believe me? Call them up or check the website. You're going to mention Big MX Radio to save yourself some money. But you can also go to, you don't have to go straight to the Racetech in California. You can use a local authorized dealer. Those guys can set you up. Do it today. You'll be feeling more comfortable on your motorcycle, and being more comfortable means safer. Safer means more even more confidence on the track. You're going to drop your lap times. Thanks to our friends over at Racetech. This podcast is also brought to you by Luxon MX. Luxon MX is not just another triple company, triple clamp company. They are passionate engineers driven to push the limits of the status quo. Great people over there, Billy White and the entire crew over at Luxon MX, great people and they create great products. You can save some money with those guys at with Big MX at checkout. Honestly, best decision you can make all day is getting yourself a brand new set of Luxon triple clamps from Luxon MX. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With me on the line, a guy who I've been wanting to have on the podcast all winter long. He's been making noise, and it's the right kind of noise in the sport of motocross. Uh, It's that crisp two-stroke sound and smell and everything that comes along with it. It's got to be the 412 of Jared Lesher. Jared, how's it going? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for making some time for the Big MX Radio podcast, my friend. I'm sure uh, you've got to get back to your two strokes so that you can shine up that uh, that that <laughs> that pipe of yours. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll pull you away from that for just a few minutes here, my friend. Um, you have been absolutely globe trotting so far this year. Maybe like maybe the better term is barnstorming because uh, whether it's a Supercross event or an Arena Cross event, you've been on the line. Uh, you're racing Friday nights, packing up the trailer, uh, or maybe it's probably just a van, uh, ripping across the nation, and then racing Supercross the same weekend. I guess the biggest question so far, uh, or the first question is, um, like that would be a ridiculous schedule if you're on a four-stroke, but why do it on a two-stroke? Uh, <laughs> uh, man, it's a lot of fun, and I don't know, it's just it's something different, and I, I think I tell everybody this, you know, I'm not sure how much longer I get to do this, you know, professionally. So I might as well make the most fun you can out of it. And yeah, it, I, everybody seems to love it too. So just a plus. Hey, if you're going to turn some heads, you might as well be mixing gas and call and hauling ass all at the same time. Uh, my brother from another mother, little D looks like he has jumped on board, which is extremely encouraging to see Uh great guy, good people. And uh, the bike has been looking absolutely sweet every single weekend of the year. Um, who, who's doing the graphics on that bike? Um, so we've been having, um, motor pro or motor pro, um, yeah, Moto Pro Graphics. Sorry, I was getting mixed up with Motion Pro for a second. No, Moto Pro Graphics have been doing our graphics, so, um, and they've been doing an amazing job. That does look good. Did I see that you were also running a vented front number plate? Like, is that honestly like I, to me? I don't know why. Maybe it's because Carmichael ran it for a while. You saw it a lot in the late nineties. Uh, vented plates are still cool. I that that is in style every day of the week, twice on Sunday. Yeah, dude. So, um, Michael Shaw, mechanic and, uh, best friend, he, uh, been helping Corey Barbie with that at, uh, anchor grip tape. And yeah, they cut the number plates and I mean, there's no real benefit out of it, but hell dude, it looks, it looks slick. So, um, yeah, we, we run with the vented number plate just about every weekend. 
Dude, it, of course it serves a purpose. You got to look pro and go slow, bro. Like that is like, <laughs> that's what it's all about. Like, if, if, if you're, if you're running on my program, like I would, I would be running all of the little bits and bobs that just sort of add to the swag. And you certainly do have it. Um, but rolling into the season, obviously like riding a two stroke, lots of fun. I, I ride a two stroke, uh, KTM 252 stroke, as well as I have a, a matching pair of Cowies. Um, they smell good. They look good. They sound good. Uh, but you ride them extremely well. Like I, I watch you on on practice Sorry. during practice, and like just where you're able to put the motorcycle. Um, like we talked about it off air. There's no arguing that riding a, a two stroke is a disadvantage, regardless of which class you would ride it in. Um, but I don't know if it's as much of a disadvantage in your hands, my friend. You're very competent with with that bike, and I, I can't imagine that uh, you didn't ride that bike uh, prior to the season and say, "Hey, we could be competitive on this." Yeah, so um, I think it was the beginning of December. I got on the Supercross track with one, and uh, I was super skeptical at first. I really thought that it would suck in the whoops and just really not get that much traction everywhere. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised that. Um, the thing tracks like a tractor through the whoops. Um, and it, it does well with traction. As long as the track's not blue grooves, uh, the bike does really, really well with traction as well. So, um, it's just like anything else. I mean, you gotta have throttle control, but, um, yeah, it's, you know, a different type of power, but, um, you know, you can definitely make it work and if you can make it work and, you know, you're, you're putting some power down. Yeah, certainly, and and, and the, the bike seems to be well-appointed. Uh, let's talk about Mr. Michael Shaw. Uh, first of all, great guy. Uh, can, can talk to him more than a few times uh, over uh, direct message and stuff like that. Seems to be, like, what I love about his, him is he is he is in your corner. He's your guy, and that is really so cool to see uh, the two of you just being uh, super supportive of each other. Uh, but uh, t- tell me a little bit about his uh, his skills uh, with the wrenches in his hands, and uh, and how much of a, an important part of his of your program he is right now. Um, so yeah, the dude is good with pretty much anything, um, not just working on stuff. So um, he's he, I mean he's good at a lot of things. So he's kind of a jack of all trades, um, which is great because you know you have a lot of different things happening in the sport where a lot of the time it's not just fixing the dirt bike. So. Um, yeah, he's, he's a huge help just all the way around. Um, like I said, he's a best friend. So, um, and he's, he's all in just, just as much as I am. So, um, I think, you know, he's just as big of a part of the program as, is myself or, um, you know, just as big. So, um, yeah, man, he helps out more than, more than he probably knows. Yeah, no, certainly. It, it seems to be uh, a great marriage between the two of you guys, uh, friends, thick as thieves you guys are, and uh, yeah, taking on the world. He, Whether it's uh, photography, uh, working on bikes, or uh, like you said, jack of all, um, he's getting it done for you. Um, it's kind of interesting to see how the, the series kind of shook out, and it was almost kind of timely that... Uh, Oakland ended up getting postponed um, because that gave you and many other Supercross races an opportunity to head over to Phoenix. If I'm not mistaken, you went over and raced that. I don't remember um, 
that weekend going particularly well for you. But I think that turned itself into uh, you and Michael sort of prioritizing uh, being able to compete in multiple rounds of the AMA Arena Cross Series. Of course, that series is, is on the rise, back to where it once was, perhaps. Uh, looking great. And uh, I got to imagine that the, the 252 stroke is a little bit more competitive against those boys in Arena Cross. Yeah, so... Um... I mean the tight so the the track layouts have been pretty good this year with with the arena cross series as far as like having four lanes wide um so the two strokes not not too bad in there actually so the smaller it gets the more difficult the bike is to ride but um yeah those layouts have been uh pretty sweet this year so yeah i mean i haven't really had any issues and it's really just about the about gearing the bike properly honestly once you once you gear it properly um, and jetting changes depending on the elevation, especially out west. But um, I mean, those two things right there. I mean, that's that's bread and butter. All right. Well, well why the two the YZ two fifty two stroke? Why not a KTM Husky or Gas Gas two fifty two stroke? Uh, I I don't know whether or not a, a, a fuel injected version would be homologated. I'd imagine not. Um, but, uh, yeah, why did you go with the Yamaha? Uh, she seems like a, a, a worthy steed, but, uh, yeah, uh, take us through that a little bit as well as I got to imagine at some point you've maybe picked the brain, uh, of a few tuners that have uh, worked well with that bike over the last, oh, I don't know, 20 years that it's been in production. <laughs> um, who has been your, your best sounding board for stuff like that? I'm sure even, uh, I'm sure even Mathis has given his two cents. Yeah. Um, so thankfully we've had, um, Derek Harris in our corner as well at HP race development. Um, he's built us two amazing motors and, um, kind of guided the way, uh, if you will. So, um, that's been a huge help. And I mean, even just being able to, to have the thing on the dyno and him and Michael spend a complete day, just, you know, figuring out how to make more power, how to place the power properly. Um, and that kind of thing. So, um, just to make the, the bike as rideable as it can be. Um, so that has been a huge, huge help, um, you know, with this help. And obviously, Michael, with his research and time and effort and everything, um, you know, he he's done his fair share of, of that as well. So, um, yeah, between those two guys, uh, yeah, I would say that's why the bike sounds the way it does and why it runs like a, like a race date. <laughs> No kidding, yeah, that thing goes good, man. And uh, keeping it all together and, and uh, making sure that uh, the handling is under control is uh, a brand new sponsor of yours that I believe you brought on for this year. You might have been with them last year as well. Is is Luxon MX? They're a sponsor of this podcast, and uh, and one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is that I imagine that you'd you'd have uh, some some really great things to say uh, about that company, the Triple Clamps, Billy over there, great guy. Uh, but bottom line, great product. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think this is the third season these guys have been helping out. Um, oh, wow. They helped us with our 250Fs um, in 2021, I think the beginning of 2021 and on. Um, so I think this is, or maybe even 2020 on our 450, um, if I remember correctly, on our KTM. So, um, yeah, no, Billy's been great. Um, those guys over there, they they want the best for us. And, um, yeah, they make sure that we have the best. So um, between the clamps and even the sweet, the sweet uh, transmission covers. I mean, you can't get it. Well, stator cover on the two stroke, but can't go wrong with those either. Just to kind of kit the bike out and get everything looking snazzy. 
Yeah, no, like I said, you got to look pro, man. That's that's uh, the name of the game. So um, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about, like, obviously, bike looks good, sounds good, uh, all that fun stuff. It, it, it runs extremely well, uh, and I'm sure throughout this, you're only finding ways for it to get better and better. Um, have there been, been any issues on, like, basically, like, wear and tear on parts? Uh, what are you low on? What are you? What do you need? Uh, if maybe there's some listeners who are listening who uh, would love to maybe help out as someone like you. I know that you've also been doing some giveaways and uh, and sort of um, and, and crowdfunding and some stuff like that, which uh, I would love to find out. The Big MX Radio faithful is able to uh, jump on board with that as well. Yeah, so um, obviously the wear and tear parts are uh, probably lesser on the 252 stroke, obviously, just because you ain't got as much going on. But um, a lot of the stuff, luckily we have um, Motion Pro on board um fmf helping out with the exhaust if we get dinged up exhaust anything like that is i mean it's not hard to pancake one of those things if you get tacoed in the first corner or anything like that so true um but yeah it's, gotta be, it's crazy hot you go down that thing's just a taco chip <laughs> yeah 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 it's it's not gonna yeah it's not gonna fare well so um yeah those guys um and then really just throttle cables clutch cables brake pins man like little things like that um i don't know I'm, I'm pretty picky when it comes to like stupid stuff like that so um michael uh, he's really good at keeping everything greased up and everything new so but luckily the guys at motor uh, motion pro they've been helping out a lot with keeping you know fresh cables on the bike um and that kind of thing so um that tires obviously dunlop's hooking it up they've been doing an awesome job this year helping out so um can't get a, a better tire underneath you than, than Dunlop. So, um, really, that's about it, man. Like, we haven't had too many issues. Obviously, pistons, like, we go through pistons, but, um, I mean, if, if Wasco wants to, wants to do something, we'd be, we would be more than, more than happy to. That would be sweet. But, yeah. Well, no kidding. I, I think uh, uh, either you, I, I know you can get the, the contact information from Mathis, but if I can't get you some contact information from a buddy over at uh, at Wiseco, uh by the end of the day, I would definitely, uh, I think uh, Kevin would probably like to talk to you about that, certainly for the rest of the season. So, um, like, the bike itself like phenomenal you riding it uh is definitely something that's uh like it's a work in progress you're getting faster and faster on it every week as you sort of reacclimate yourself to being a two-stroke guy um like is this possibly something that you would consider taking outdoors is it more of a, a knife at a gunfight at, at an outdoor national uh than it is at a supercross and um Furthermore, when when you when you're riding and you're just like you're making mistakes coming out of corners, you're not able to triple something like that. Like, do you ever think about guys like just how good guys like Ricky Carmichael, James Stewart, Chad Reed, Jeremy McGrath, all those guys like that? This was the weapon of choice. This is all they had to race throughout the the, the 90s, early 2000s. It wasn't until uh, 2006 where all um, top flight superstars were uh, were on were on the four strokes. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. Um, uh, honestly, I think with the outdoor stuff, we did, I think we did five of the nationals last year on the YZ. Um, and it, I mean, it, it's, it's not terrible. You, it's definitely competitive. I'd say the start is the biggest thing. If you have a long start um, and if you don't get a, a perfect jump, I mean, yeah, you're thing, screwed you're it, be eaten a lot, so 
Yeah, yeah, especially Millville. Um, yeah, Muddy Creek. If you had a national there, that's that's another tough one. So up the hill, straight up, straight from a dead dead stop. So um, yeah, and deep sand, obviously, like like you're gonna get eaten alive. But um, there's ways to manage it. You you can definitely manage it. It's it's probably a little tougher, I'd say. But the bike is also lighter. So whenever you get tired or if you get a little fatigued towards the end of the moto, end of the day, whatever. I mean, you you got less to hang on to. I know the thing's got a lot of power, but you still got less weight to hang on to. So I feel like that's more manageable. As far as uh, making mistakes, coming out of corners and being able to triple, um, honestly, since we figured out the gearing, um, we've been pretty good and well off with not, like, missing rhythm sections. Like, you can come out of the corner and, and make a little bobble and still – still romp on the thing as long as you're in the power you I mean, you can't do it if you're not in the power but um there's still i mean the thing surprises me dude it, it really does and um it, the slower you go on it the worse it is like i was saying earlier so like when you really got to cut down the corners use those bottom ruts and really make short work of the corners that's when the thing gets tough to ride it's it's it doesn't like to stop and go it likes to carry momentum roll the corners um and and just keep keep flowing forward so doesn't like to stop and go that's the two-stroke style man you got to be on it there is, there is no like sort of checking stuff out or riding at 80 percent uh it asks a lot right. of you but like you said uh it is lighter there's there's less engine brake um the, the the bike rolls a little smoother uh coming into the, some of the corners and stuff like that of course now with the new fuel mapping there's less and less of that in four strokes but uh reality is is you're saving like gotta be at least well compared to ken roxon's uh 450 you gotta your bike's legitimately like 25 30 pounds lighter um <laughs> it's it, seriously it is it's absolutely ridiculous on on uh, kickstarter yeah. alone mm-hmm. I, I go like, although i guess you're both kicks you you're one of the uh, few that are both kickstarting your bikes um yeah yeah the my question being uh obviously it would be more competitive but how much more competitive would the 252 stroke be if they ever implemented a rule where that bike now belongs in the 254 stroke class. Um, that's a, a little bit of a hot button issue right now in Canada. They've been allowing that for uh, certain riders um, for, for a number of years now. What are your thoughts on that rule? Um, man, I, I would really like to see it happen. It, just because the, I mean, the 250 S are, they're fast. They, they handle so well, especially with supercross stuff. I mean, those bikes are, are really, really good. So it's not like you're going to be taking much away if you allow the 252 strokes in that class. Um, at the same time, I, I also think that, um, I mean, I, I don't actually, I don't really know this, uh, know the actual reason, but, um, why it hasn't already happened. But, um, yeah, that would be, that would be something that would be cool to see in the future. Um, I think a lot of people would be excited for it. And I'd also think you'd see a lot more guys, on the two strokes, on the 252 stroke, if that was the case. Well, they're certainly cheaper to build, uh, like build a full-on race bike, uh, 252 stroke versus 250F. I think the biggest gripe that would come out of that would be the fact that um, Yamaha and then the Austrian brands are the only 
current brand that offer a competitive two-stroke. So obviously Honda, they would bitch. Suzuki, well, I don't even know if they're at the table, but they would also bitch. And then obviously Kawasaki as well. Like you can't even technically, uh, you cannot go, you can't like sign up for a Supercross and race my 2005 KX250 two-stroke. Though it was homologated in 2005 is no longer legal. It has to be of a certain vintage to be able to, uh, to, to compete. So those three manufacturers would kind of up in arms saying, Hey, this manufacturer or this bike is taking spots away from, uh, from our, uh, guys who could potentially be riding our to like a privateer riding a, a 250 F or a Honda or a Kawasaki, of course, like, uh, uh, LCQs are basically brought to you by Kawasaki these days. Uh, I'm sure you wish you right. could ride one of those because you'd probably pull up some Kawasaki contingency. Uh, but, uh, um, yeah, like, honestly, I think that's really the only thing that holds it back is that is is that those other companies w- wouldn't be very happy about it. Of course, I'm sure those companies also weren't happy back in 2002 through 2006 when uh, Honda CR450s were basically, like, the bike of choice for all privateers everywhere because you could get starts from literally anywhere on the track or anywhere on, on the gate. Um, that was a completely different story. But, uh, yeah, I think that's basically it because, like, for, for I'm sure you're not too up on your your Canadian motocross history, but of course we had Kevin Benoit, who one year he raced half of the series on a 252 stroke, did extremely well, raced the rest of it on a, a 254 stroke, and then ended up winning the championship. There was a lot of people up in arms that basically he had an unfair advantage against the 250 two, uh, 250Fs, um, and on top of the fact that he was a very good rider, and even today. Uh, Kevin's actually coming back uh, after three years being removed from professional racing um, on a 252 stroke in the 250 class. Um, and there's even uh, there's rumors of a Honda team basically threatening to not race the series if uh, if if he's being allowed to race it because originally the the rule was put in place so for basically like guys like yourself who are basically a privateer effort who wouldn't be able to put together as much of a fire breather as say Canadian Red Bull KTM uh, are going to be able to do so for for Kevin Benoit. But then I also remind Honda the fact that Kevin Benoit is my age. He's like 33 years old. He hasn't raced for three years and he's on a goddamn two stroke. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, come on, man. Like, you heard, can't. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't heard. That's a I bad heard argument. That, but yeah, like that is, I, I that would is be not a very good argument. Yeah, like uh, I would if I'm Honda and or if I'm any team, I'm more worried about defending champion uh, Ryder McNabb, who is now I believe set. He's tur- he's going to turn 17 this year. Um, he's faster than Snot, and and he is going to be leading a lot of laps this year on his KTM 252 stroke. Meanwhile. Uh, yeah, Kevin Benoit is 33 years old. I think the first time he raced professionally was 2004, uh, back in Quebec. And yeah, he'll be on a two stroke and he, if he gets, if he gets a couple moto wins, so be it. But like, I don't, I also don't think that's going to be, um, t- any type of, uh, like it, it's more of a, like it's advertising for KTM. KTM makes this motorcycle. They want to be able to race it. They want to be like guys like me who are like diehard two-stroke guys. You just want to mix gas, haul ass, and look cool on our two-strokes uh, to, to, to advertise those bikes. And I think they should be allowed to do so. Yeah. And you uh, should come I up here and totally race Canadian Nationals on one. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's a big jump. I Man, we talked about it, but I've yeah, I never really got – too serious into the thought of it. Like, are you a good? Are you a good sand guy? 
Yeah, I can ride sand pretty decent. Yeah. I think we we yeah. need to like, and you should even, you can talk to Mathis about this because he would get all on it. Is to crowdfund sending you to Gopher Dunes on the two fifty two stroke to race in the two fifty class. Like I, if it's it's a deep sand track and uh, like it's way deeper than uh, than than Southwick. Although from what I I've never been to Southwick, but from what I've told, it's not as deep as a lot of people would say it is. Um, but yeah, I think we should ju- all jump on board with that. Like get the get Pulp Nation behind you doing something like that. Hey, I'll be. I'm not opposed to it. Me and Michael would be there. <laughs> Heck yeah, we'd be there in a flash. So as like I, I know, like a lot of privateers kind of play it. I wouldn't say week to week, but you don't plan super far out ahead of time. Um, but uh, do you have your sights set on a few outdoors this year? Uh, it's going to be eleven rounds rather than twelve. Um, but, uh, so I would imagine the, the summer program is like a few nationals and then what? Um, so last year we basically committed, I think six nationals and then we weren't able to do one of them for, um, I, I think actually because of bike issues, but, um, yeah, I usually like every other season I've done, um, at least eight nationals. Um, and last year was the only year that I haven't done it, you know, that many nationals. So, um, I think this year we were really just talking about doing a handful of nationals and then really just chasing the money races. Um, I mean, there's so many of those around that are almost more local than, than nationals and you make a lot of money, obviously going to those races. So uh, if you do well, so, uh, that's almost more worth it and not as, uh, demanding on the equipment and, bikes not as much travel that kind of thing so i think that might be in the cars yeah that, that's actually something that i think we we needed like i want to talk about more off air and stuff like that is like the the network of quote-unquote money races that are available to uh privateers to race in the nationals rather than like following the series because like i don't think there's a uh, overwhelming amount of uh, a carrot or incentive for a privateer who is, I don't know, even anywhere between say nineteenth on backward in the the four fifty nationals. Like you're you're gonna score right. very few points per round. Uh, if something goes wrong, um, it's very expensive. The travel is quite ridiculous when you go from Unadilla to Washougal to Millville, all over like that whole scenario. Right. Um, yeah, like. Rate like uh, alternative alternative races. Not only like, yeah, you might not be on the the world stage or or uh, on uh, the Peacock app, but uh, like, no offense to yourself or any of the other privateers. Like, like a lot of you guys don't don't make the broadcast for the fact that you're just not highlighted uh, during during yeah. a, a pro motocross broadcast. Like, I'd almost think that uh, like yeah, um, racing a, 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 a smaller race and having some success success there might turn more heads at a local stage than it would at a national stage. Yeah, yeah, and I I think honestly at the end of the day, you know the the people that help out, if as long as you're getting results and you're you're making you know a splash in some way, I think. I think that's really um, the main, fo- you know, one of the main focuses and, and what these sponsors are looking for and the people helping out are looking for. So, um, and obviously just being able to, to make, make comfortable money to, to make it to the next round and not be sweating it. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's one of the biggest things with outdoors is 
I mean, like I said, you're you're just ragging equipment every single weekend, um, every moto. I mean, every moto, you're ragging equipment. So whenever you you don't have the resources to be able to swap parts and all that stuff as often, then you know it becomes just becomes more of a hassle than it does anything. And yeah, like I said, doing I've done the nationals since 2016 um, on my own, and man, I've, I've spent more money than. I mean, way more money than I could have ever made doing the nationals, even if I would have top 20 at every moto. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's, yeah, it's a bummer, but yeah. that's why you got to chase the, chase the money races. And you still, you still got, uh, I mean, you still got competition that shows up to those races that, I mean, you always have those guys that aren't racing nationals that can still hang it out and go fast for six laps, seven laps at a time and you can make twice as much triple the amount of money, you know what I mean? For less, less risk and for a lot less cost to, to bust your bike up for the weekend. That's, that's certainly, uh, some strong words and, uh, yeah, a lot of truth there. Um, I'm curious if, if they lined up yourself, stank dog, uh, like Matt Burkeen, um, Who's the kid from uh, Massachusetts that rides a two-stroke quite a bit? Well, oh, Robbie Marshall. That's not who I'm thinking of, though. Yeah. Uh, he's got a. F- he did really good at the national last year. Yes, I know who you're yeah. talking about. Um, Canning, Chris Canning. Yep. Uh, yep. And and Carson Brown, and maybe throw in somebody else that rides a two-stroke on a regular basis. That is a race that I would I would actually pay money to see. I would I would. Like, stamp my ticket, like, take a spot on the bleachers and, and listen to, uh, f- like, as many 252 strokes as, as will line up. But, I, like, I think all, I, I, honestly, I think all five, six of you are around the same pace, like, damn near anyway. Yeah, I think that would be, be a pretty competitive race. That, that, yeah, it would be. It would be, it'd be a lot of fun to watch, a lot of fun to race. But, um, yeah, dude, set up one of those races. You know how they did, uh, couple years ago how they had Wyndham come out and uh like all the old it was like the old time pros and they had them show yeah. up at like some motor fight club track. yeah yeah do something like that but just do it for like two stroke theme two stroke fight club i think that might that's a that's a, <laughs> a, a, a an idea we might have to run by uh uh rob bitus uh out of nowhere like villapoto shows up and just kills everyone you're like oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just forget about the guy until he shows up and waxes everybody and makes us all look yeah. bad. Yeah. Well, you know what would happen though? I just thought of what's going to happen is like the one, and I'm sure there's some listeners who are screaming at their their radios right now. Is that Michael Lessie shows up to that race, and you guys are yeah. like, "Fuck." Yeah, yeah. Forgot about him too. I don't know how you yeah. could forget about about him, but yeah, yeah. That's another he, one. He she does always and... those guys that are going to show up. You know. Yeah, well, put put some money up, and then and that's what happens. But uh, one thing I want to talk yeah. to you about is you're you're a pretty soft spoken guy. You're a well spoken guy, but you're a pretty soft spoken guy. Obviously, you like there's um, there's some guys out there, like say like a Kevin Morans or a, a Logan Carnow, who who really grabbed the social media uh, by the balls, and and they can really turn it into something that. Um, they they make money on, on with uh, through those platforms is 
how much do you have to sort of come out of your shell to be able to do something like that? Um, like not to say that you don't look uh, comfortable doing it, but it's, it's certainly not something that, uh, that I think that you're, uh, like it just automatically comes natural to you. Uh, how much, how much, like how, like how hard is that for you to sort of like come out of your shell and just kind of put yourself on display like that? Yeah, it's, it's different. Um, it's definitely different because previous seasons, like, like and Michael and I talk about this often actually as well. Like we had a really sweet bike last year and did some really cool things. And actually the season before in 21 on our four stroke and we didn't get near the publicity that we've gotten with the two stroke stuff this year. So, um, which I mean, that, that really just tells you like all the diehard fans that are, that are looking at this. So, um, and, and kind of following that. So, and excited for it, which is really, really cool. Um, it keeps us hyped up and yeah, it keeps us driving along. Yes, sir. And like, honestly, like I'd assume that it's probably still a small segment of fans, but there is something to be said for the, for the vocal minority when, uh, there's a lot of people out there. And like, I honestly, like the, the craziest thing is like, people always say the, the sport of motocross is small, uh, or we have a small market. Um, but like, the reality is it might might be small compared to other huge sports, but there's still a lot of people out there who who support this sport, who are diehards about this sport, and um, like you see the, the the message boards, and it's like there there is a huge contingent of fans who still love the two strokes. They love the sound, the smell, and everything that comes along with the heritage that is two strokes, and. Um, like for everybody who screams for the mountaintops to either bring them back or make them more prevalent or uh, whenever they see a, a two-stroke post, they're immediately to click on there, uh, hit the like button, follow, and everything like that. I, I think there's still uh, like uh, a segment of the market that uh, still can't get enough, and I love it. Yeah, yeah, we love it too. It, yeah, it keeps it driving forward. But, um, I mean, if, if there was more guys to do it um, – Man, I, I just wonder, like, would the sport would the sport get bigger? Would it just kind of die off as like a fad? Like, what would happen if more guys did it? And that's that's kind of exciting to think about, like the the one twenty five or one twenty five class, the two fifty class, like the two fifty F class. If they allowed these bikes to run the two fifty F class, I mean, like I said, I, I believe there'd be a lot more dudes running this thing because it'd be a lot more competitive. Certainly, and I, I think that, um, and and maybe not. Uh, like, I I don't think that it would encourage manufacturers like Yamaha and Honda, or Honda and and Kawasaki and Suzuki to all of a sudden like uh, break open the um, the the presses and start making two strokes again. Like, I, I don't think that it, it that that needs that necessarily needs to happen. But what it would do is it was it would bring down the cost for for a lot of privateers that are currently running maybe uh, uh they're they're maybe they're at their absolute limit budget-wise to yeah. put, a, put a four-stroke on the track, whereas maybe they'd be able to um, like afford more in the way of training in the off-season. Maybe they'd be able to uh, um, like like fly to races or get transport yeah. rather than uh, driving a van or maybe ha- have a just a better setup in general. Like if, if it cost, like say, 30% less to, to do a – a two-stroke rather than racing a four-stroke, well, that's 30% of budget that you can use for other things, uh, including uh, possibly yeah. even making some money at the end of the year, which is, uh, from what I've heard, kind of the goal here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think I think that's 
that's probably right. And that, you know, it, it is, like I said, it's, it's different. And, um, you know, I, I don't know how many guys would really hop on board with it, so to say, but, um, and, but it would be cool to see like, even like a, like a small satellite squad, like a satellite team, like pick up on it. And like a satellite team have three guys and they're all three on two strokes. I mean, just imagine like the traction that that would get, um, yeah. the amount of fans that, that they would gain from that. Um, you know, and, and probably it'd bring more money to the sport. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Probably am wrong, but, um, you know, it's just kind of one of those things. It's like, like the, the bill would be so much cheaper if a team were to do that, or if a, a small, a small team like that would be able to do something like that. I mean, your bill is going to be a lot cheaper and you might have more money thrown your way to do, uh, like you said, to spend it on training or whatever the case. Yeah, you, you might legitimately uh, raise more money and actually spend less. Uh, the the great Mitch Payton was quoted as saying that uh, when they switched in 2004, they switched from uh, two, two strokes in 03 to four strokes in 04. The team budget went up by four times. Jeez, okay. Yeah, so that just wow. get, that that that's. That's your your that's your top flight team making sure that uh, they keep four strokes on on the track and yeah dude I I I think there it definitely would raise more money around the sport because for the, all those people who say are like they're diehard uh, two stroke lovers um, like I'm sure they still love racing the way it is but t- at a certain point they feel like there isn't something for me here. Like they look around and like yeah. they're my favorite thing is not represented. My favorite thing being two stroke is not being celebrated and included. If we want to talk about inclusivity, uh, the inclusivity of two strokes would bring more people to say, Hey, there's something for me here. And that's, and that two stroke team right there, like not only would the, the hard part sponsors of that, that team, like say if like this is this fictitious team that we're talking about, say they're all Yamahas, uh, they like, Yamaha, like they don't need to sell more Yamaha 252 strokes. That's already the best selling bike back out there. But like yeah. those things, they can't keep them in stock. All the hard parts, Luxon MX is just run, ringing off the hook uh, with the triple clamps uh, flying off yeah. the shelves and or the uh, the the bar mounts. Um, FMF is just they've like they're they're selling more uh, two stroke pipes than ever and and what have you. And then on top of that, like say if like a, a, a gear company, uh, who do you work with again? Fly racing, fly racing, fly racing is like that. Like, you know what I mean? That would almost become like the unofficial two-stroke gear, and uh, yeah, I think people would jump yeah. on board with that. Uh, that now you're raising hundreds of thousands of dollars by uh, by putting the team like that together. I think it would honestly have some success. I, th- I absolutely think it would. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I mean, that's an interesting idea to kind of think about and and to go through, but. Um, yeah, just yeah, uh, it would be super exciting to see that and different. I mean, and nobody's gonna be expecting something like that. So, um, yeah, dude, imagine the fan base. I mean, if, if I've gained as much traction and not not being confused or anything like that, but if I've gained as much traction just myself, I mean, imagine what three dudes on a team on a small team like that could do. I mean, yeah, it, yeah it, it, creating it, content, vlogging, mixing gas. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all all of that stuff, and it's also interesting. And I've never thought about it that way. But um, how you said about you know dudes watching the, watching the race and being like, you know, that there's, there's nothing here for me, you know, at this point. Like, like the, what I enjoy is the two stroke, and you know, they're not really glorifying the two strokes at this point. So, 
you know, why should I watch the sport? That kind of thing. It's interesting to think about stuff like that because, I mean, man, there's a lot of people that come up to me that, um, you know, just kind of, I want to say it rejuvenates them in a, in a sense. It's probably too strong of a word to use, but um, it just gets everybody fired up, man. And, and I mean, everybody's just so passionate about it, it seems like. Absolutely. I've talked to, to guys like uh, Don Maeda about this in the past when it comes to two strokes. It's like you could you can build up the most badass four stroke known to man, every bell, whistle, like you could possibly bolt onto the damn thing and, and no one's going to bat an eye. You build, you put some right. fresh graphics and a uh, and a works pipe on a two stroke and roll that thing in, uh, underneath the tent. People walk over. It, it's the it's the sound. Yeah. Like I think honestly, as much as four strokes, it's the easy button. You're never in the wrong gear. They make power linearly. Yeah. They are easier to ride. They make the tracks like guys like me can drop our lap times on a on a bike on a bike like that. I can't drop. Like I, I'm like I've. I struggle on the, on the two strokes. They are like, they're a humbling experience. So obviously when they first came yeah. out, people jumped all over them because they were super stoked about it. And rightfully so, because they do a lot of good things. Great. But at the same time, we lost that, that smell first thing in the morning and you, I, you can't smell it right now, but your brain is probably producing the, 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 the chemical that's reminding you of it right now of when you first got out of the truck, first thing in the morning, back in 2004, 2005, and the whole pits just smells like that rich, beautiful two-stroke gas. And, and the like the the, the, nice the smoke over top of the over top of the land. <laughs> yes, and you go to an arena cross, and like you're 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 you got your bike hanging out the back uh, of a of a garage door, so, so that you can warm the bike up, and everything's all smoked <laughs> yeah. out, and it smells good, and it looks good, and it and obviously the sound. Like, give me a, a two stroke going through a set of whoops every single day rather than a, a four stroke going through the whoops. And it's all for all of those reasons. Um, yeah, that that's the nostalgia that people lo- love. And it's the reality of the fact that it went away like that. Literally like yeah. Ricky Carmichael, Chad Reed, James Stewart, like 252 strokes in Supercross 2005 in one calendar in, in six months. All of them were gone. The only two strokes that were racing in 2006 was... Uh, David Villeman, because the team that he was on, the Buku Energy Drink uh, Honda team, uh, couldn't put together uh, a four-stroke for him that he liked, so he rode a two-stroke. And same thing with Jeremy McGrath, uh, even though he raced his final race on a four-stroke, which broke my heart. Uh, he came back on a two-stroke. He was uh, his mechanic that year was Lars Lindstrom, who's now the the uh, team manager over at Honda HRC. Those were the last ones. Those are the last of the Mohicans of the actual top flight pros that raced them and it happened in one year and if you don't make you don't think that makes you feel like something got ripped away from you you're just wrong <laughs> no you're you're right you're right and, um <laughs> it's me on I, my soapbox I'd now be, I'd, be, <laughs> I'd be interested to know the last time a main was made and i asked math this, the same question he said he'd look into it but the last time a main was made on a 252 stroke i don't know when that was I want to say, like, I, I think it's got to be, um, it I think it's got to be 06 with uh, Villeman because That's I know crazy. Stank Stank's done it on a 125. Uh, he didn't do it on a, on a 252 stroke. Um, and Stank honestly, Stank. like wow. in and around like the 2000, like the late 2000s, early 2010s, like no one was doing this. Like it, 
it just wasn't done. Like it was all four strokes all the time, uh, privateers or otherwise. Uh, so I, I would have to say it's probably Villeman. That was, yeah, and that's crazy to think about. Two thousand and six. Yeah. <laughs> like, Holy. On that when he was he was Buku Energy Drink. I think his his uh, teammate was Justin Keeney. And uh, if you want to know more about that, there's a YouTube uh, series, or it was it was originally supposed to be a TV TV channel TV show that was on Speed Vision Speed Channel back in the day, and it was called Reality of Speed. And uh, I think it was season uh, yeah, two. I've heard of that. <laughs> yes, it's uh, and it like it's 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 um, David Villeman being extremely French and like w- not wanting to help out Justin Keeney at all, and then the team manager <laughs> going to Justin Keeney every episode and saying like you got to go faster, and Justin Keeney said I am going as fast as I can. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it was all brought to you by Buku Energy Drinks. It was great. Wow. Yeah, that sounds, yes. sounds like something I need to watch. I, I would consider binging it. I don't know. I don't know if you if uh, you can you know, kind of steal some Wi-Fi from McDonald's along your travels, uh, or what the situation is on the data plan. But uh, I, I highly recommend. What's the travel situation yeah, like for you right now? Like from your your recent Instagram post, sounds like you guys have had some issues. Yeah. Um, so after Daytona last weekend, I was able to come home. Uh, Mike and I both. So. Um, we're at home this week until Friday early morning. We'll leave for Indy. Um, but we, this is the first season that we've done, um, a one through the rest of the round so far. Um, we've always started whenever they come East in either Arlington or Houston or Minneapolis or whenever. Um, so this is the first year that we've done all the rounds so far. This has a couple, but, um, so the travel has been a lot more this season for us than, than we've been used to in the past, but, um, I mean, it feels, I'll tell you what, it feels great to be home when we can during the weeks, man. Like, cause that, that driving, it wears you out. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I did, uh, one year I decided to drive the series for the first eight rounds. I did, it was, oh, it, it was the 2018, uh, Winnipeg, which is, I don't know if you know that I'm from the Canada. I'm from the middle of Canada, which is yep, yep. eight hours North of Millville. Uh, believe okay. it or not, there is something eight hours north of Millville. Um, That's crazy. Yes. And uh, so it's 30 hours to Anaheim. And then the okay. round two, believe it or not, was Houston. So I drove, I actually drove the RV for that, uh, um, what's it That was the, the IB Corp Yamaha team that uh, um, like Michael Lieb and those guys were on. I drove yeah. that to Houston. Yeah. They have an they had an RV that I they yeah. wanted me to drive, so I drove to Houston. I was in Houston for thirty six hours, watched a race, covered the race, did the press conference, got back in the RV, and drove back to Anaheim. Holy! Yeah, I spent some time on the number ten freeway, my friend. Yeah, so you you understand then what it's like yes. to get back home and be like, oh man, just yeah, breath of fresh air. Yes, sir. Yeah, it was like it's yeah, you finally uh yeah, I just put down some roots for even if it's for a few days, it feels good. Uh last question yeah. I have for you. Um what uh what are your goals rest of season? Obviously you want to put this thing in the main, but uh aside from that, what's the the program going to look like rest of uh, rest of Supercross? 9 rounds to go. Um and I would really like to make more than one main. I 
I'd really like to, to make a few or, or just multiple names and or just make one and get on a roll would be would be sufficient. But um man, we've been trying to work on our starts and that's one place that the thing that the two stroke is a little bit tough to tough to figure out, um, is off the great start. But um it's uh it's been a work in progress and I think we've been getting better with it. So um I think it is just a matter of time getting a good start and just running laps up front is something that I haven't got to do this season yet. So um starting from the back, everybody's too fast and just too much too much to deal with. So um I think I think the main goal is if we ride good every every weekend, um, ride like I know how to ride and just, you know, not not leave anything on the track. I think that's that's the main goal. Um and obviously goal number two would be to, to make multiple mains and um, just kind of get on a roll with that and um and not only make the mains but but you know put put good laps down in the main and and just see where we can end up um i i made a main in 2019 and um in atlanta which was super cool to do and whenever i got to the main i i was super hesitant and um didn't ride like myself at all and just really didn't really regret it but at the end of the night i was just bummed that you know i just didn't put any you know any solid laps down and um, it's something that I kind of want to redeem myself with. And, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's really about it though. If, I think, I think just riding this bike successfully and, uh, the traction that we've had this year, um, has been a huge success and, um, obviously staying healthy this far and has been a, a success as well. So, um, uh, no complaints so far. And, uh, like I said, me and Michael have been having a blast doing it. Everybody loves to see it. So, um, no complaints, man. Right on, buddy. Well, I uh, really appreciate you making some time today for Luxon MX and Jared Lesher here on the Big MX Radio Podcast. Uh, don't forget, everybody, you can save money with Luxon MX with Big MX at checkout. Great product. And, uh, yeah, it's on Jared's bike, so you know it's good. Jared, this was a lot of fun. Thanks, man. Yeah, I appreciate you giving me a call, and, yeah, I enjoyed it. Excellent. Yeah, it's probably kept you a little bit longer than I uh, than you probably intended, but uh, the conversation was just that no good. Do not hang up just yet, but for podcast's sake, we're going to cut it off right there. All right.